0: Smith. He's a student pastor at uh, Countryside Bible Church uh, over there by the interstate close to Hampton. And so please welcome Mr. Smith. Is my mic? Okay, there we go. Good morning, Nebraska Christian. How is everyone this morning? Did I did I see... Hey, Andy, what's up, brother? Um, did I see that it's picture day? Is it picture day today? Yeah, I saw that on the calendar. Guys, when I was in eighth grade, I forgot it was picture day, and I wore like a sleeveless shirt, and I had a terrible haircut, and my mom was so mad at me. It was I looked like a redneck, and I could say that because I was a redneck, but I looked like a straight-up redneck for... Picture day. It's pretty embarrassing. Good to be with you all. Is this how the stand goes? that's ah, good, good enough. Um, great to be with you. Listen, I just want to offer a bit of encouragement to you um, before we get going into First Samuel. Uh, I remember whenever I was in high school, we did something like this. We did like a we did something called see you at the Pole." I don't know if you guys have ever heard of what "see you at the pole" is, but it's basically we go, we meet at the flagpole on on campus at school, and we would just sing some songs, and someone would give a short message, and that was that was really awesome for me. But it only happened once a year. But you guys get the opportunity every week to start your day off with uh, studying God's word. It kind of propels you into the the day of being encouraged by God's word and what he has to say from you from his word. And so I hope you take full advantage of what you have in front of you every Wednesday. I see the speakers that you have. You have, you have very capable speakers. You have very capable uh, preachers, ministers, whatever you want to call them. And so take full advantage of what you have in front of you every Wednesday morning, okay? So with that being said, uh, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh you started in 1 Samuel chapter 1 last week, is that right? Uh-huh. All right. Everybody awake? All right. Some some yes, some no. First Samuel chapter 2. Last week, um, what you saw happen was uh you, you were introduced to this woman named Hannah. <clears throat> Hannah was barren, meaning she couldn't have children. She wanted a child really badly. And so she was praying and asking the Lord to hear her cry. And, and she even made a vow. What was that vow that if she had a baby, she would be dedicated to what? Serving anybody? Yeah. Serving the Lord. She said, Lord, here's my vow. If you give me a son, I will make sure that he serves the Lord all of his days. And of course, Eli, you guys remember Eli, the high priest, he, he sees her praying and he's like, you must be drinking because why are you talking to yourself? Um, and she says, I'm, I'm praying. And the Lord blesses him, gives her a son. What is his name? Don't be bashful. Samuel, right? All right, so the Lord gives Hannah a son, she names him Samuel, which by the way in Hebrew means the Lord hears she heard uh, the Lord heard her her prayer and so she sings she starts chapter two by basically singing a song of praise to the Lord because because he heard her cry. So all is well, right? All is fine and dandy in israel right well of course not listen you may be asking yourself when you look at chapter one of first samuel and even in chapter two you may be asking yourself why is this in first samuel you ever think that you ever be reading a a, a scripture and you're thinking why is this here this seems to have nothing to do with anything okay samuel is born great Here's what you've, you've seen, and here's what you're going to see in chapter 2. It's that although it may look like the Lord is absent, although the Lord is doing nothing, He is doing something. Now, that may seem like a really general statement, but behind the scenes, oftentimes, what you'll see is God is working out his plan for not only Israel, but if we take into our day and our context, God is always working, even when it's not evident that he's working. So, First Samuel, we're going to look at First uh, Samuel starting in verse 12, and we're going to go all the way through chapter 3. A lot of ground to cover this morning. It's going to describe the deterioration of Israel's current spiritual leadership. We're going to talk about who that is in a second. But not only that, it's talking about a raising up of a leader after God's own heart. So not only a deterioration and decay of the current spiritual leadership in Israel, God's people, but someone is being raised up to lead Israel into the future. One of the main offices in Israel in terms of spiritual leadership is the priesthood. You've you've heard about priests, high priests, the priesthood in general. The priesthood in 1 Samuel 2, where they find themselves specifically in Shiloh, this this has been corrupted. The priesthood has been absolutely corrupted. And that's what we're going to see. But before we dive into the text, let let me just tell you generally what a priest was. So when you look back at the Old Testament and you see a priest, let me tell you what they did, what their sort of job description was. We're not going to get super specific. But in the first five books of the Old Testament, in the Torah, God gives his people very specific instructions on how to worship him. Okay, so you read about sacrifices, you read about burnt offerings and sin offerings, and you know, sprinkling blood. Uh you, you read about all of these really specific things. And those are the that that is so specific because God is so holy. And and, and the job of the priest was to oversee all of these sort of these practices, these worship practices. And so God prescribed specific ways that Israel was supposed to worship their God. And here's what a priest did. A priest made sure that that happened. You want to think of it in, in a really easy term? The priest in Israel was the worship leader in Israel. He led the people to worship God in the way that God wanted to be worshipped. A priest was to embody supreme holiness in their role. In other words, you were supposed to look at a priest and get a glimpse of how holy God is in His dress, in His day-to-day functioning at the tabernacle. A priest was the worship leader of God's chosen people. They were to instruct God's people in the law of God, their scripture. And, of course, while we d- we don't have priests today in our current context, uh, the job of a pastor is not all that different. It, it is different in terms of the day-to-day tasks and functions. But in one sense, a pastor or a worship pastor, we are meant to, to, to basically highlight and and bring people to the glory of God show God's glory bring glory to his name and lead people to worship the one and true God and listen you can get here here's something that's important for 1 Samuel especially in these early chapters is you can get a good sense of where Israel is spiritually just by looking at the the, the morality of the priests the the worship leaders You can get a good taste of the climate, the spiritual climate of the time by looking at the holiness of the spiritual leadership of the time. So that was true then, and that's true today. So let's see in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, beginning in verse 12, let's see what that looks like. Let's see what the spiritual leadership is doing. 1 Samuel 2.12. 212. <clears throat> you've got three priests. You've already, if you remember last week reading in 1 Samuel 1, you've already been introduced to three individuals. You got Eli, and then he has two sons. Who are the sons? You guys remember the names? Phineas and Hophni. All three are priests. Eli is the high priest. His sons are priests as well. Let's read about them. Let's see how they're doing at their job. Verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord and the custom of the priests with the people. Pause. Is that a good thing? Is it it a good thing to be called a worthless man? Easy question. Yes or no? No. So God gives you In verse 12, a really easy synopsis of how they're doing at their job. And listen, they're worthless men and they had no idea what they were doing on the job. They they didn't know the custom of the priest with the people. Continue on to verse 13. When any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. Thus they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. So you say, what is so sinful about that? So they're just taking need out of the pot or the cauldron. Here's, Here's what they were doing. They were serving themselves before they were serving the Lord. The Lord had told them given them in in Leviticus and in Exodus, you'll see the Lord had given them specific allowances like food allowances. They could take some from the pot, but they were taking what they wanted. It didn't matter what the Lord said they could have. Very generally they were just they were just taking whatever they wanted out of the pot. It was about their appetite, not about following the Lord's prescription for um how, how this was to be done. And then, verse 15, also, they burn the fat, or before they burn the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give the priest meat for roasting, as he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. Okay, listen. The fat, when you're looking at like Old Testament sacrifices, the fat parts were the Lord's. That was that was reserved not for a man or not for the priest, but for the Lord. And so what you see here is them ignoring that too. They didn't care what the Lord said. Before they burned the fat that was supposed to be an offering to the Lord, they said, give the priest meat for roasting and he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. And then verse 16, if the man said to him, they must surely burn the fat first. Like, hey, that's the custom. That's how you're supposed to do this. Burn the fat first and then take as much as you desire. Then he would say, so the priest's servant, no, but you shall give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. So, you've got some major sin the people who were supposed to be leading God's people in worship, the priests, were corrupt. Hophni and Phinehas. They are corrupt. Doing things that, listen, they knew they shouldn't do. So, how does this passage sum it up? What is the Lord's take on this? They they see Hophie and Phinehas doing this. What's the Lord's perspective? Verse 17. Thus, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For the men despised the offering of the Lord. In other words, if you want to use a different word than despised, the men dishonored the offering of the Lord. They were supposed to be serving the Lord the way the Lord wanted to be served. And I I think that while it says they they didn't know the custom of the priests with the people, it's fair to say they should have known. But I also think there is a blatant disregard here. I think there there is a sense in which they were being rebuked by people who knew the law, and they said... Doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I want. This is a blatant disregard of God. And the Lord says, the sin is very great. Now, you say, okay, now we're lost in, okay, offering, uh, boiling, uh, cauldron, what? Um, Here's the essence. They disregarded the Lord, but now look at the turn the passage takes. And you're going to see this all the way through chapter 2 and into chapter 3. Hophni and Phinehas did this bad guys but look over here at samuel remember samuel the one that was dedicated to the lord look over here what he's doing this is important you see it a few times verse 18 all that happens now samuel was ministering before the lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod that's priestly garb he was likely a little boy remember he he served with eli he was sort of the protege of eli he wasn't really a priest, but you can get the picture that he's like a little boy running around with a little ephod on. And um, ephod, just priestly garb. And uh, verse 19, his mother would make him a little robe. I like that. His mother made him a little robe. And, and she would bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Samuel's growing. So every year, his mother's making him a new robe. And then Eli would bless Elkanah, that's Samuel's father, and his wife, Hannah, and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home. I read one commentator say um, that that essentially Hannah gave the Lord, dedicated to the Lord, one boy he returned to her five children. So the Lord is just being gracious with Hannah. Gave her three sons and two daughters. But here's the part that I want you to see. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Samuel grew before the Lord. The Lord was angry at Hophni and Phinehas for their sin and their blatant disregard of his law, but Samuel grew before the Lord. Here's what I don't think that means. I don't think that means Samuel is just growing tall and the Lord was there to witness it. Because the Lord is witnessing all of us grow and the Lord is, has seen you grow up into being young adults. So I don't think this is merely just saying, hey, the Lord saw Samuel get tall and big and physically grow. I think there is more behind this where it's saying, and we'll see in a second, where it's saying Samuel, both physically and as he physically grew, he spiritually grew closer to the Lord. So, Samuel grew in, uh, maybe your translation says the presence of the Lord, but this is not just physical growth. He said... Uh, the, the statement is not like, hey, God grew up and, or he grew up and God watched, but he grew up in his fear of, his knowledge of, his dedication to the Lord. But if you're reading this passage for the first time, you might think this is an odd turn for this passage to take. It's describing a corrupt priesthood, corrupt spiritual leaders, but look at Samuel. But here's what it's saying. It's saying, hey, even though the priesthood is corrupt, God's spokespersons are corrupt, God is doing something with this young man, Samuel. No matter how bleak this looks, look at Samuel. Look look at what the Lord's doing with Samuel. But this encouragement is fleeting And the camera kind of turns away from Samuel and his family again and goes right back to the situation with the priests. Look at verse 22. It says, Now, while Eli Eli, was very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel, Now, their corruption wasn't under wraps, It wasn't able to be kept under wraps. Their corruption became known, not just in Shiloh, but all Israel. It's not good. And if you didn't think they were bad enough, read the rest of verse 22. And how they lay with the women who were serving at the doorway of the tent of meeting. All right? So not only are they abusing the sacrifices, not only are they disregarding God, but they are sexually immoral. They are promiscuous. These were likely women who were serving in some capacity at the the temple. And instead of spurring them on and doing their job to, to greater awe of God's glory, they were sleeping with them. Absolute corruption. And Eli says to them, why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people. Verse 24, he says, No, my sons, for the report is not good which I hear. The Lord's people circulating. It says, if one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, which is what they were doing, who can intercede for him? But listen. Hophni and Phinehas, it says, but they would not listen to the voice of their father for the Lord, why? For the Lord desired to put them to death. God gave Hophni and Phinehas over. He desired to put them to death. It's too late. Let me just pause for a second. Do you as a student take sin how God takes sin? Or view sin like God views sin? God hates sin. You read through the minor prophets. You read through the major prophets. You read through the whole Bible, and if you should walk away with something, it's that God is opposed to sin, especially the sin of those who claim to serve Him, like Hophni and Phineas. Do you hate sin like God hates sin? In your own life, and when you looked around, look around at the world. Are you entertained by people's sin? I hope not. Father, the, the Father is serious about sin. But then, look at verse 26. What happens? It goes back to Samuel. Now the boys say, it's one verse, it's just really simple. It's like, hey, reader. Remember, there's Samuel here too. Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. Another breath of fresh air. Hey, not all is lost in Israel. You got bad priests. You got corrupt leadership. But look at Samuel. Look at Samuel over there. Little boy. Lord's going to use him. He's growing. He's growing in favor with God and with men. And then we are plunged back into the spiritual chaos. In verse 27, an anonymous man comes to Eli. And Eli thought he was supposed to be rebuking his sons. Eli gets rebuked by, looks like a prophet. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt and in bondage to Pharaoh's house? House of his father, that's Aaron. Am I still on? Okay. Eli was the grandson of Aaron. That's why he's a high priest. Did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to carry an ephod before me? Did I not give to you, or I'm sorry, did, did I not give to the house of your father all the fire offerings of the son of Israel? He said, you're privileged. I entrusted you with this ministry. He says in verse 29, why do you kick at my sacrifice, and at my offering, which I commanded in my dwelling, and, you, and honor your sons above me by making yourselves fat with the choicest of every offering of my people Israel? Why are you doing this, Eli? Why are you letting this go on? You should put a stop to it, Eli. You're being passive, Eli. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me or dishonor me, will be lightly esteemed. Behold. And here's the punishment. Let me just, before we go on to verse 31, the Lord is using a prophet to tell Eli, you should have put a stop to this. You think your sons are guilty. Your passivity implicates you in what your sons have been doing in Israel. And you've been making yourself fat from the offerings as well. And so here is your here are the consequences for your sin. Verse 31, behold the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. You will see the distress of my dwelling in spite of all the good that I do for israel and the uh, and an old man will not be in your house forever yet i will not cut off every man of yours from my altar so that your eyes will fail from weeping and your soul grieve and all the increase of your house will die in the prime of life this will be the sign to you which you will come which will come concerning your two sons hophni and Phineas. on the same day both of them will die So he looks at Eli and he says, you are privileged. I gave you this ministry to be priests, you and your sons after you, but you abused it. And I'm going to take it away from you and someone else is going to do it. That's what it says in verse 35, but I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will Do according to what is in my heart and in my soul and I will build him an enduring house and he will walk before my anointed always. Everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and say, please assign me to one of the priest's offices so that I can eat a piece of bread. The same family who is stealing from the offering and making themselves fat are going to be scrounging for bread by this man who replaces his family. And that happens in uh, 2 Samuel when Eli's line finally comes to an end and then Zadok, the high priest, steps in. And there's a new line of priests. So there's a lot of bad, corrupt stuff going on in chapter 2. We've got to move on to chapter 3. But here's the thing you should know is God has a plan. Remember how it keeps going back and saying, hey, look, Samuel, look at Samuel. He's growing before the Lord. Well, here's where God initiates Samuel's ministry or really calls Samuel. i got to go through this quickly because I want to get to some application and some things to think about at the end. But it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. God didn't speak to his people very often. Why? Probably because they're corrupt. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. That's the lamp of God in the the tabernacle. And and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel. You guys know the story. The Lord called Samuel and Samuel said, here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord said, here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Thought Eli was talking to him. But Eli said, I I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son, lie back down. Verse 7, now Samuel did not know the yet know the Lord, and that's like in the prophetic sense. He didn't know the Lord's voice. He wasn't able to recognize that that was the Lord's voice. Nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli's spiritual sensors are going off here. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if it shall be it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel obeys and says, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to bring, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Verse 12, in that day, I'm going to carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity, which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. So we read about in chapter two. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's son shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until the morning and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid. He heard this he heard this word from the Lord. But he was afraid to tell Eli of the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. Verse 17. What is the word that God spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you. And more also, if you had anything from me, of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew We've seen that before. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall. All Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. That's a lot. And I can't even really begin to unpack it all in in chapter 3. But here's what you need to see, is that God is working. This is not randomness in the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel is going to usher Israel into a new era, a new phase. And so when you look around and you're defeated by circumstances, you may look at the world outside, or you may look at uh, maybe it's in your church or wherever it's at, And you say to yourself, where is God? You need to know that God, although He may not be raising up a Samuel, He's doing something. He is in control. He is often doing more behind the scenes than it seems. And as He calls Samuel in chapter 3, this is a new era for Israel. And Israel is starting to recognize that God is doing something. So you need to realize that God is always working even when it's not evident that He is. While Samuel was growing up, the people who would go to this temple had no idea that that little boy was going to be who he was going to be, who who the Lord was going to make him to be for Israel. And as you go through 1 Samuel, you're going to see the importance of Samuel and sort of the the way that the Lord uses him in Israel's future in establishing a monarchy, establishing kings, So realize that, but here's a few other things that I think we should think about before we go. There is a way to do spiritual service in a way that God hates. Okay? Hophni and Phinehas and Eli, the Lord cursed them. Now, if you were to look at them and say, you're a priest, you're serving the Lord. The Lord was greatly displeased with them. Both things can be true. You can be outwardly, externally doing religious things and have your heart far from God and and loving evil. Your heart can be cold and dead and without life. So realize that. And if you find yourself anywhere, even if you're not as bad as Hophni and Phinehas, if you're taking any steps towards that where externally I'm religious, but internally I love sin, if you're taking any steps towards that, now is the time to repent and bring yourself back to true service of your Lord. And then thirdly, you need to recognize that God is going to use Samuel, the Samuels of the world to do significant things. He's not going to use the Hophni and Phineas's. He's not going to use immoral, unholy people. I hope that all of you want to do great things for the Lord in whatever capacity that, it, that is, whether it's you want to be a preacher or you want to be a dad or you want, what, whatever you, when you look at it, your life, whatever goals you have, I hope you want to be used by the Lord. Recognize this. Although God does not use perfect people God will use the people like Samuel who are growing in the Lord, consistently growing in the Lord and whose lives are characterized by holiness. 2 Timothy 2.21 draws, you can write that down, look at it later, but it draws a very clear connection between the holiness of the man of God and his usefulness. I'll end with this. How do you continually grow in favor with the Lord like Samuel did? You want to be used? You want to be like Samuel? You want to grow in favor with the Lord so that he can use you? Here's a, here's a scripture that I think is important to look at. Isaiah six two. Let me just read it to you. Here's what the Lord says. I think it, it, it draws on this concept. Here's what the Lord says. But to this one I will look. My attention is on this one to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Are you humble? Or are you about self? Are you about the Lord's glory? Or are you about your own glory? And do you tremble at the word of God? Do do you read Scripture and say, God, i got to do that. Help me. I think that was Samuel. And as you're going to see, God is going to use that holy Samuel to to do great things. Let me pray for us real quickly. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. I hope that you can encourage us with your word from 1 Samuel. Allow us to be serious about holiness and help us realize that you are doing things behind the scenes that we may never detect in the moment. But help us trust that you are in control, you are sovereign over all of our circumstances. Pray that this study through 1 Samuel would bring glory to your name. It's in your name I pray. Amen.